G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I just had enough. I was sweating and I needed to go. We're shutting up our medications to go home. And a lady came in, an older lady, and brought this little baby. And she was so thin and tiny and she just lay there. So, you know, we had her for eight months and she grew from a sick little child with bronchitis into a beautiful chubby little girl and she still had the HIV virus but it had reduced. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we'll hear part one of our two-part conversation with Sandra Perry, who was trained in the medical field in Australia, but one day decided to pack up everything and move to Cambodia to be a missionary, where she's been for over a decade. Today, Sandra will share what led to this drastic change in her life and about her adventures on the mission field. Sandra's chatting with Shelley Scully. Sandra, tell us about how you originally got the call to Cambodia in the first place. You were obviously trained in the medical field in Australia. What made you decide to pack up everything and go and move to Cambodia? Well, uh, I felt that there were so many qualified people in Australia. Uh, I really wanted to help the third world, help the poor and be do something really more meaningful. And uh, the salary over there was zero, mm. but it didn't, it didn't matter. I was just looking to change people's lives, really. And uh, so I went there on a short-term uh, team. I just went there for uh, three weeks. I looked in the world map and said, where will I go? And I felt the call in my heart to go to Cambodia. And there was a team going, and I went. I saw uh, poverty and I saw um, people we, we in this living in disgusting conditions. We went to a slum and there were many of those and we did little medical clinics. Um, the people were sick and they were sad and they um, their, their babies were, were dying at a rate of one in five. Really? And I saw... People without legs, you know, there was a lot of amputees and they were on the road begging, on the hot bitumen road begging and people leading, children leading blind people around and I I saw prostitution in the a guest house where we stayed and it, you know, I was just broke my heart after living in Australia all my life mm. and I had, I, I, I went home and I thought, I've got to get out of this country as fast as possible. I can't deal with this. And the day we were to leave, I thought there's going to be a tsunami and I won't be able to get out of here. But we left and oh, I sit with a great sigh of relief. I left the country. And, yeah, I just had never seen such suffering. And then God put it on your heart to go back, though. I mean, you couldn't get out of there fast enough. And yet <laughs> now you've been there for over a decade. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I went home and I thought, oh, well, that was that. Um, I settled back for, I think, three more years. 
centered life here working in the hospital here and uh, I you know just wasn't quite satisfied and and uh, one my daughter one day she said mum you have to go back there and she said mum we want, we should go and do it see where God wants you to work so we I said okay okay then so we went to um, Malaysia the health care system was good we went to India and I couldn't really deal with that that was very in your face and uh, I think it's a special calling to India but she said well we should go back to Cambodia and I said are you sure she said no I think God's telling us to do that I said okay well so uh, we went back there and we stayed at a guest oh we stayed with at this orphanage that's right there were a lot of orphanage then in those days we stayed there and um We'd been there for a week and Liz was doing some te- teaching English to the children and I was doing nothing. And uh, one day a knock came at the door and these Australians who were out in the village, they were uh, starting a, a school out there and they were Christians. They knocked on the door and they said, does anyone know, here know of any um, Australian nurses in, in Phnom Penh? We really need, there's so many sick people out in the village where we're working. And uh, do you know of anybody here in, this, in the city who hmm. is, who's a trained nurse? And I said, well, I was in the um, room next door and I said, well, that must be me. And um, really, I'd never met these people in my life before and they didn't even know we were there. And uh, I went out and said, well, must be me. And uh, that was it. That was it. I went with them to the village and I knew that that was where I was planted to be. Wow. Amazing. Yes, it's quite a specific call, isn't it? It, Not literally from the mouth of God, but through the mouth of people, pretty much. Yes, it was a request for help. Yeah, for an Australian nurse. Yes. Yeah. To to help. And that was just like, because I'm mercy motivated and it's been my you know all along that I wanted to I felt for the poor and the suffering and um, I joined that that lovely couple they were from Melbourne and went out and started doing village clinics and I learned what the sicknesses were and uh, gradually I um, eased back in to the city and there was a big there's a big slum there it's still there Mm. and so I started working in the in the when they went back to Melbourne. That's right. I started working in a place called Stung Ming Che, which is a big slum district in near in Phnom Penh. Right. And uh, so I started the clinic then. Was that the one that was right near the rubbish dump? Uh, yeah, right at the at the foot of the hill, yeah. rubbish hill. Wow. And so I was I just didn't even know I was in it in church one day and in Phnom Penh and. This, uh, it happened again, and these people said, we really need help at the rubbish dump. And I said, oh, well, I can come and do a little bit for you. But it, it drew me in, and when I got there, oh, man, suffering and sickness and um, just those poor people who collect recycling each day. The children work, and they have a really hard life. And so I knew that there was no medical care, for them, and I was—I felt I should do do work there. Mm, definitely, 
these people have nothing. Like you say, they're sorting through the rubbish for recycling and that in itself just speaks of disease and health mm-hmm. difficulties there. Yes, yes it does. And in the rainy season, it would just turn into a quagmire. There'd be mud and these people just live within that, that, that our environment. Wow. And then there's <clears throat> dengue fever and malaria. So, yeah, they really had it hard. Uh, so I found it. My, I, found, I had an interpreter assistant and we were, I said, uh, so now let's walk through. I need a building in this slum to, to start a clinic. And we're walking through the slum. And he said, oh, what's this building? And it turned out it was um, a church. And it had holes in the roof. And it was, you know, very rough um, old shed-type building. And so we, we made inquiries. And the, <clears throat> the pastor there said, yes, we'd love you to do a clinic. And... I knew that that was a way to call people into, to you know, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ because they could come to church to have their medical needs met and, uh, and not be afraid to keep away as people are generally because this is a Buddhist country right. and uh, that's a custom and tradition that's all tied up with Buddhism and uh, Christianity is fairly new there. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Sandra Perry, who is trained in the medical field in Australia and has been serving as a missionary in Cambodia for over 10 years. We'll hear more of her story and more of her experiences on the missionary field when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, medical missionary to Cambodia, Sandra Perry, is sharing about her experiences on the mission field and the many challenges she faces. Next, Sandra shares with Shelley Scowen a practical way she's been able to help many people. I started the clinic and very soon it became obvious to me that um, they, the water was foul and these people wouldn't drink and so they had headaches and the problems that come with dehydration. And so I found a place that sold water filters, a Christian organisation was making them there and I, I bought one just to see if the people would you know, be able to use them and before long um, I had provided 700 families with water filters and it wasn't, um, I didn't buy them straight out, I had the people pay $2, they had to save up two dollars and that made you know gave them ownership and dignity Mm. and uh so that they would take care of these water filters and even when i go back now they still say can we get another water filter um yeah so they lasted uh they lasted five years and the pot is a filter inside which lasts two years however this made a massive difference to their health and they were so they could they caught on to the idea of filtered water and that's it was just life to them. Wow. And so it was You dig yourself out of a job though. 
Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, the amount of diarrhea, the number of people with diarrhea just cut, you know, like cut back to almost nothing. Wow. And I just continued to educate them in health, yeah. washing hands and cooking their food properly. And that was my idea was to do myself out of a job. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's a, a wonderful thing that you had uh, when you established the Mercy Health and Community Centre. So there was so much going on there. You weren't just a nurse in the local medical centre. You really, like you say, did a lot of preventative education and things as well as the reactive helping people. Yes, that's right, um, Michelle. And I also employed people. I had uh, three, I think I was paying, sal- paying a salary to three Christians who, and there were seven volunteers. Once people got the idea of this health education, it's called community health education. It's a, a model that's used in the third world and it links up uh, health education with with the Bible and in the Bible there's everything to do with health and you know with good health and family relationships. And uh, these people uh, wanted to volunteer. They, uh, yes, yeah, so, so I had seven volunteers and I think, Three, the pastor and assistant pastor, uh, whom I paid a small salary, and they would go around. We all had a uniform. I got them all a T-shirt, a green one, and they would go around every day <clears throat> and teach the people. And the people would come and sit on the on the dirt on the ground outside their hut, their their shacks, and listen to the teaching. And this way, I was able to get at the root cause of their sicknesses and their mm-hmm. family domestic problems and uh, parenting issues and all through just through the scripture wow. um, and and uh, can you give yeah. us some examples of some of that like we know that there's a lot of those parenting and family related advice in the Bible but can you give us some examples of some of the really health related advice that's there in the Bible um, yes uh, there's one a teaching on how to catch HIV and then there's a lot of untrue stories that surround the HIV, um, how it's transmitted. But once we got the Bible, it says to be um, faithful um, and um, one husband, one wife, and don't, you know, none of this going to the brothels, which the men do practice, um, and you won't get HIV because they have these, like, myths that they think HIV is transmitted these weird ways. But the mm-hmm. Bible was clear on fidelity, preventing HIV, and um, other things like drunkenness, and you know when you drink this bad alcohol that you're making in the slum, it's going to destroy your inside, and that's in the Bible. You know God speaks to, against against drunkenness, um, and um, healthy food. Yes, I think just yeah, just. I can't think of any, oh, in domestic violence and peace and harmony in the home and parenting. Mm. It's all in there. And, uh, yeah, so these people really were far away from that when we started mm. teaching and they got the message. And what a great way to bring them mm. the gospel and the truth of God's word mm. through the mm. very relevant um, method of teaching them about their health at the same time. It, the two just kind of go mm. hand in hand. I love that creativity. Yes, yes, it does, and it's not a—it's not something that I made up. I just followed these lessons that have already been used in Africa and other um, 
other cultures, and even in Muslim cultures, they can be used without calling the Bible. Bible teachings, they call moral lessons. Huh. And uh, so you can go into a commun- any community, anywhere, and these lessons make you live a better life. That's what you, you, the, the angle you're coming mm-hmm. from. Sandra, there was one particular time that really sticks out to you of a baby that came in to see you. Yes. I had just finished my clinic and it was ex- the weather is, I must throw in, that is extremely hot there. And then in this tin, tin-roofed little church building, I just had enough. I was sweating and I needed to go. We're shutting up our medications to go home. And a lady came in, an older lady, and brought this little baby. And she was so thin and tiny and she just lay there. And she said, can you please help me? This baby's, um, she's got HIV and she's got this diarrhea. And I can't, I have no money to take her to the hospital. And her mother has got HIV. And she was a grandma. And um, I, I looked at it and I just knew that I had to do something. And so I took the little baby and uh, I said, no, I said, I'll, I'll, pick the, I'll pick you up tomorrow. We'll go to or take you to the hospital. I'll pay for it. So I thought overnight, I thought the baby might even die. But in the morning it was still alive. I prayed, of course. And uh, so we went and got the grandma and the baby, went to a, um, a missionary hospital and they just looked at her and they said, she's so underweight. And they put a, an IV infusion in and kept her there uh, for a few days. And then the grandma had to go home because she was looking after three other little ones belonging to the mother who was dying. And um, she said, can you um, can you take care of her? And I said, oh, oh no, I'm just about to go home for Christmas. Um, what can we do? And... So I said to the hospital, will you please keep her until I get back? And they, they said, okay. You know, so I paid the money and uh, they kept her there. But then in the meantime, we came back. So I came back after Christmas. My daughter came with me for a period of time and they put her in an orphanage. And I went and my daughter says, Mum, we've got to go and get her out of that place. We went and had a look at them. They were dreadful orphanages. They still are some of them. And she was in this hammock, all lying in her urine and looking up at us with this big smile on her face. And um, and so I said, I have to take her out. And grandma, so we had to get grandma to do it because orphanages, um, they don't want to let go. They're getting funding for these children, so they don't want to let, let them out. It was Cambodian run. Mm. And so we took her home to our place. And uh, Grandma said, would you please keep her? I can't take her back to the slum. She'll die there. So, you know, we had her for eight months and she grew from a sick little child with continual bronchitis into a beautiful, chubby little girl. And she still had the HIV virus, but it had reduced. And um, so, and then it was, she was quite a handful. She vomited all, you know, her bottles and... I had it to a special children's hospital, so it was very hard work. But my daughter did the night shift because she'd vomit at night. We have to clean her up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did the days, and I also fitted in my clinics and my slum work. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so I had to do something. You know, it was, it was wearing me down, and I was getting migraine headaches. And 
so I prayed to God, you know, who, who, what can I do with this little one? And I couldn't bring her back to Australia. There are, there are laws here and you have to go through a lot of um, difficult, you know, bureaucracy to get a child with HIV into Australia. Mm. And uh, so I don't know, it just came about that I found this couple, young American couple who just, uh, the man was Japanese and the lady's American, just come to Cambodia to start an orphanage and, and I talked to them and I said, she's not to be in an orphanage, I don't want that. I want someone to adopt her as their own baby. And they said, we would love to take her. We don't have any children of our own yet and uh, we, don't, we won't put her in the orphanage. Um, we, she'll be our first child. And they took her and she was so... She's grown into a beautiful little girl. She's about six or seven now, mm. and she speaks three languages. She speaks oh. Japanese, English, and Khmer. And wow. uh, the parents of the um, her, her adopted mum will have her uh, educated in America. And uh, we've seen her since, and she's beautiful. And they are the most lovely couple uh, that she found a home with. Wow. So, <laughs> How rewarding for you, you know, right back from that day that you weren't sure if she was going to make it through the night and now she's living this life full of hope and ambition. She's got uh, that much in front of her now. How exciting. Yes, yes. She she was a blessing, a joy, Mm. little thing. Yeah. Yeah, she was a beautiful child (laughs) that deserved to live, you know, out of the slum. She didn't. Deserve to die in the slum? Of course not. Sandra, how about we hit pause on this and we'll come back tomorrow and we'll um, continue the conversation about the great work that you're doing amongst the prisoners. I guess also considered some of the lowest of society there in Cambodia, but you're doing an amazing thing. Let's come back tomorrow and uh, find out more about your great work. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you, Michelle. That was part one of Shelley Scowen's two-part conversation with Sandra Perry, who has been serving as a medical missionary in Cambodia for over 10 years. Next time, we'll hear about how she gave up her medical clinic to go to prison. Not because of anything she had done, but because that is where the Lord was leading her next. And that has been a reoccurring trend in her life. See a need, meet the need. See a need. Meet the need. And as we will continue to hear, that is exactly what she's still doing today. For more information about the ministry Sandra is serving with in Cambodia, their website is CambodiaGlobalAction.org. That's CambodiaGlobalAction.org. Well, once again, we invite you to join us next time for part two of Shelley Scowen's conversation with Sandra Perry. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. What's happening in Phnom Penh is that the uh, land was being taken away from these slum dwellers. So they were told that they should move out. They could be given land out of the village. They were taken out in a truck, but they were placed on this land which wasn't really, um, it was illegal for them to be there. And they didn't know. They're just poor people and they had no idea. And so along came police and took some of them to prison. Australian missionary to Cambodia, Sandra Perry, served people living in a rubbish dump slum for many years by establishing a medical clinic there. But she felt God called her away from this ministry to go to prison. We'll find out how the Lord was working in her life and the many challenges she faces ministering to prisoners next time. 
the story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.